Joe Keyboard here with WCMP as we are chatting with Rod Greeter, the University of Minnesota Agriculture Educator here for Pine County. As we are here today to talk about how to decide this summer on foodstuffs for winter feeding. Rod, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Joe. Well, I'm glad. So, Rod, let's start off as always with just a general ag update. Yeah, it sounds like a broken record here, but uh, when you look at our crop report, uh, things are still hurting. We've got mm-hmm. serious drought. Uh, still across about 75% of the state, serious to extreme drought. Uh, And we've been lucky. The rain we had about a week ago here in Pine County was fairly widespread, you know, about Mm -hmm. an inch or so across most of the county. And that has kind of taken us out of the top two categories. But, of course, that can change Mm -hmm. with uh, another dry week. And right now we need about an inch a week through the month of August to really fill out those those uh, corn kernels on those cobs and get those ears filled out all the way to the tip and to get those uh, soybean pods filled. So we still need rain desperately. Uh, Crop condition is still declining. The more days, uh, hot days we have and no rain, Mm -hmm. crop condition keeps going down about five percentage points each week. Uh, Corn and soy, uh, their ratings right now are about 50% of the state is poor to fair. All right. But it is kind of interesting as you drive around, and I was down to Wright County last week, so mm-hmm. went through three or four different counties, and the crops still look pretty much dark green. Hmm. I mean, except those uh, sandier soils as you get into Sherburne County and, and northwestern Wright County. There, they're showing some stress unless they've been irrigated. But otherwise, I'm kind of amazed how good the crops still look, but I'm sure uh, it is affecting the, the grain set inside there. Uh, pastures also 55% poor to very poor across the, the state. Uh, lots of tough uh, pastures in Pine County, too, that mm-hmm. aren't regrowing. And some in some cases, it's due to management. Other cases, it's the drought or the combination of both. Uh, some people still want to graze right down to the ground. Hmm. And that puts your roots at such a disadvantage and makes them work harder. You lose some root roots underneath because they die back and it takes much longer to regrow and regenerate so anytime you can leave two three four inches you're better off because of it don't try to get that last little inch or two uh, of that uh, of that pasture because those last inch couple inches too are the least nutritive of the plant Hmm. they're not doing you that much good in terms of animal nutrition but they can make the world a difference in how that pasture regenerates and in the heat and drought we're in now, we need that uh, p- those pastures to come around. Otherwise, guys are going to have to be thinning their herds. That's mm-hmm. already being talked about. And uh, starting to feed hay. Out east of town here a few miles, I was out there last week, and or the week before, I think it might have been. And there's a couple guys already feeding hay. And that oh. was in July. Yeah. Now we're into August, and it's not going to improve anytime soon. And then hay prices have started to jump too, which uh, I'll talk a little bit more about here in a minute. Well, okay. So what are the options for livestock producers that will be short on their traditional hay this winter due to that drought? Well, hay prices are are rising dramatically, as I already mentioned. And I heard from a guy uh, last week, uh, one report of $385 a ton for hay. Wow. Yeah, anyway, that was pretty good stuff. Okay. Uh, And that's $190 a a thousand pound bale. Now, around here, we're here in $60, $70, $80 for that same size of Mm -hmm. bale, but not the same quality. So we're talking a little bit about apples and oranges there. But nonetheless, prices are going up. I don't see that they're going to come down. Guys aren't going to have much for a second crop. 
unless they've been pretty lucky with rains. Uh, so what can they do? Uh, they can look for other alternatives. Uh, one is uh, guys are starting to cut road ditches, getting permission mm. to do that. Maybe that'll work, but really be skeptical about the quality of what's being bailed there. Uh, the uh, state and uh, feds have opened up CRP land, the Conservation Reserve Program, so some of that land can be used for haying. Again, know the condition of what's being cut and what's its maturity and what's in it. Uh, also, I've seen uh, some last year's hay. There's still some hay around from 2020, mm. and if it was stored correctly, maybe it was uh, wrapped, maybe it was bagged, that might be fine. Okay. But if it's uh, just been sitting out on the bare ground, most likely uh, the nutritional content has gone down there and you're not going to get much value out of it. Uh, there's a uh, what's called a Midwest Grazing Exchange, and that is available to kind of link up people who have excess pasture with those that don't. Mm -hmm. Now, you might have to go out of the state to find somebody who's got excess pasture, uh, and then you'd have to haul your cattle there. Well, you know, maybe that makes sense, maybe it doesn't. Yeah. You really have to look at all the costs there. Uh, also, maybe there's some neighbors. I see lots of uh, fields around that aren't being farmed. And they're just uh, broom grass or foxtail or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, there might be some grazing there, maybe not high quality. But if uh, maybe you talk to a neighbor and you say, hey, I'll put up the fence around that five or 10 acres and I'll let you graze it. Maybe. But you got to have water. You got to yep. have shade. But it's something to look for, especially when, uh, when we're in a crisis like we are now. As far as this fall, there are also some other interesting options. A beet pulp coming out of the Red River Valley. That mm. can have some nutritional value. Uh, obviously, corn silage. We're going to see probably more corn silage made this year. Pine County, we make a fair amount anyway, but we're going to cut it before grain because the grain yields aren't going to be so much. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can maximize the value by cutting the whole plant and using it as forage. Uh, oatlage, other small grains that have been cut early, they're probably out there. They're going to be nutritious if put up right. Uh, distiller's grains coming out of any uh, any ethanol plants, but we don't have a lot of them close by. So in those cases, you have to look at transportation costs yeah. and storage costs and when is it available? Well, what are some questions they should be asking as you kind of consider these other foodstuffs that you've mentioned? Well, number one, number two and three are cost, cost, and cost. Because mm -hmm. the cost per ton uh, fully loaded with uh, you know, what's the cost for the product? transportation, storage, do you need different equipment to feed it? You really got to think through that entire equation before you say, oh, there's something that's cheap. Uh, the nutri nutrient content matters. If you're trying to put on weight onto some lambs or to some uh, feeder calves or some stockers, some finishers, well, you're going to need something that has pretty good nutrition, maybe some good alfalfa, or you're going to have to supplement what you feed in the fall. If you got some cattle, beef cows, and you can maintain their body condition, they might be able to get by with less hmm. nutritive value in that forage. And then you just monitor the body condition through the winter to make sure they don't take a step backwards. Uh, right now, too, uh, we've got some toxicities because of the environment and, and because of some of the hay that's being cut. So uh, we have nitrates that accumulate in the stock when we have a drought situation. So the plant obviously needs nitrogen, needs those nitrates. And in a normal year, those are, com are converted to amino acids and they go into the grain and everything's fine. Mm. But if we're not getting that grain filled, then those nitrates accumulate in the stalk. And if you then try to 
feed that silage, it's going to have high nitrates, and that can have a detrimental effect on animals. Hmm. It can cause them to stagger, have trouble breathing, even suffocate. So you really want to make sure you know the, the nitrate content of something if it's, if it's come out of a drought area. Also, weeds. If you're using ditch hay, well, it's most likely going to have some weeds in it or, yeah. uh, or uh, even lots of other hay that's produced around here can be kind of weedy. Now, weeds of themselves, if they're harvested right in a vegetative stage before they seed out, can actually be very digestible and even palatable. So just because it has weeds in it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. But having said that, there are certain types of uh, weeds that are undesirable, those that might be toxic to horses or smaller animals. And then just certain types of grasses and weeds are are not palatable. Mm -hmm. The animals just don't like them. So you really need to know what's in there. The devil is in the details. Uh, so, uh, you know, even things like uh, canary grass, which there's a fair amount of that produced on purpose to feed animals. If it gets too mature, cattle will walk right by it. And cattle generally aren't all that particular. Hmm. So you really got to know what's in, what you're buying, uh, know the seller. Uh, and then once you get it, don't lose the quality. Make sure you got the storage conditions to protect that quality. Gotcha. Well, what can they do to protect themselves as they try to, you know, as you try for alternatives? Well, as I just mentioned, uh, know the seller as much as possible. Uh, you know, talk to them, find out what went into it. Hopefully you can trust them, but know the seller if you can, and then test the quality. Don't take things for, mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, for granted. Uh, we've got a soil or a, a hay probe in the Pine County office. They can call me and get that uh, probe and we uh, lend it out. They should also test for nitrates. If they're going to be feeding this to some highly uh, valuable cows or horses or goats or sheep mm-hmm. or whatever it is, they should find out, well, does it have any nitrate uh, toxicity issues and, and really test it. And also try some smaller amounts instead of saying, oh, I'm going to buy 100 big round bales of this ditch hay. How about do 20 mm-hmm. and get it cheap and then do 80 of something that's a little better quality and just hedge your bets a little bit. Gotcha. Well, uh, what about availability and pricing? What can you expect as you move forward? I, I'd recommend uh, buying now because I mm. don't think there's going to be more hay coming out than than what we you know expect. It's not going to be more than just what we would normally get in August. It's going to most likely be much less. And as I just mentioned too, get a mix of quality and price so you can lower your costs and provide options. You don't need every 100% to be top quality hay, yeah. especially if you got beef cows. You can have 70% of it be good and 30% be ah, and mm-hmm. then you balance it and kind of ration it correctly. Another thing is if you're buying high-priced feedstuffs, whether it's and feeding it, if it's silage or haylage or regular bales, uh, avoid waste. It, uh, you know, we kind of forget about that, but feeding hay without a feeder, you can get 50% plus loss. Well, that's, mm-hmm. you know. Just craziness. Whereas if you use a feeder, feed it right, uh, you can you can maybe have losses of five to thirty okay. percent. Store it up off the ground. Uh, you know, net wrap if you can. Costs a little bit more to get net wrap on a bales, but it's probably worth it in terms of the percentage of bale that you're going to save with that five extra dollars. Uh, elevate the hay off the ground. Get it under shelter. Put a rack tarp over it, and that can save you twenty to forty percent right there in waste. And I would recommend, again, doing a hay analysis. We've got the equipment. Mm -hmm. No reason not to check it out. 
and time to start thinking about 2022. We're going to do a field day here in about a month, uh, looking at what do we need to plan for for next year. Because guess what? Two out of the last three years, we've had significant droughts in June. Interesting. Sounds like a pattern to me for whatever reasons. So what can we do to kind of prepare for that next year and in coming years? How can we build some resiliency into the system? Maybe planting some warm season grasses that are annuals like a Sudan grass mm-hmm. or some other warm season perennials. But I think we need to, to start making our pastures more and hay fields more productive and that starts out with a soil test as well and then adding some variety and some diversity so we don't have a hundred acres of the same thing mm. and then if it's dry all of it's affected you know break it out into thirds so one third is affected one third is okay and one third is not affected hmm. you got something yeah there. Uh, so, well, if people want to uh, contact you about what other stuff got an extension going on, you got a couple field days plus the small farm workshop going on. Yeah, Joe, thanks for mentioning that. We've got our small farm startup school, mm-hmm. which is an eight-week uh, comprehensive introduction to starting a small farm. Mm-hmm. And that starts October the 20th. Registration is open. We've got 20 spots in the class, and I can tell you you've already got three registrations. Mm -hmm. And we've got over 30 people waitlisted. So if you're interested at all and you're in Pine County or want to farm in Pine County, get a hold of me now, and we've got a $50 discount for Pine County residents as well. So they have to sign up through today, the 6th, in order to get that discount, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd encourage them to do Mm -hmm. it by today. Uh, Otherwise... uh, it's going to be hit and miss. Okay. And this is the second farm or small farm school you, you guys have hosted, right? It's actually the third oh, one. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's been very popular. Yeah. So we've had 35 people go through the first two classes. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's been maxed out, and we expect this one to do the same. We'll also be at the Pine County Fair going on already this week. So we'd love to see you out there uh, here Friday afternoon or Saturday, and we'll have some great information at our booth with the Master Gardeners in Pine County. And I'm trying to focus more on costs and expenses and how can we make our farms more sustainable from a profitability standpoint. Hmm. You can't help the environment if you're not farming. Exactly. Right? So we got to make sure that people are making the money, making a living on the farm, and then they can worry about being good stewards of the, of the environment. Well, Rod, is that everything? That is, Joe. I think I'll stop there. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in and chatting, as always. You bet, Joe. Enjoy the fair. You too. You too.